Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. I feel like I'm constantly reminding myself that we are all carrying around different stressors, big and small. But when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And naturally, that can start to affect everything else around us, too. Therapy can be a safe place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. I know that therapy isn't for everyone, but it definitely has benefited me in the past with learning how to sit with my feelings, set boundaries with people, and I don't know, learn how to function with a little less shame. But if you are thinking of starting therapy and access has been hard for you, maybe BetterHelp is the right fit. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient. You can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MakeYourBed today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash MakeYourBed. Good morning, good morning, sunshine. Welcome to another day of the Make Your Damn Bed podcast. We've been talking about Angela Davis, and I want to talk about specifically her work for prison reform. Over the years, she has spoken at countless events and academic conferences, and according to a ThoughtCo article about Angela Davis, in 2009, she spoke at the University of Virginia with 30 other scholars to discuss the growth of the prison industrial complex and the racial disparities in the U.S. Davis told the UVA Today at the time of the speech that racism fuels the prison industrial complex. The vast disproportion of black people makes it clear. Black men are criminalized. Davis has advocated for other methods to deal with people who are violent, methods that actually focus on rehabilitation and restoration. To that end, Davis has also written a lot on the subject, including the 2010 book, Are Prisons Obsolete? In the book, she says, During my own career as an anti-prison activist, I have seen the population of U.S. prisons increase with such rapidity that many people in Black, Latino, and Native American communities now have a far greater chance of going to prison than getting an education. She first became involved in anti-prison activism during the 60s, but she's arguing now that it's time to have a serious national talk about doing away with these institutions that relegate ever larger numbers of people from racially oppressed communities to an isolated existence marked more by authoritarian regimes, violence, disease, 
and technologies of seclusion. And one day I'll do an entire deep dive on the book, Our Prisons Obsolete. But for now, I want to share this section of the book. In an often quoted passage of his American Notes, Charles Dickens prefaced a description of his 1842 visit to Eastern Penitentiary with the observation that the system here is rigid, strict, and hopeless solitary confinement. I believe it, and its effects, to be cruel and wrong. In its intention, I am well convinced that it is kind, humane, and meant for reformation, but I am persuaded that those who devised this system of prison discipline and those benevolent gentlemen who carry it into execution do not know what it is that they are doing. I believe that very few men are capable of estimating the immense amounts of torture and agony that this dreadful punishment, prolonged for years, inflicts upon the sufferers. I am only more convinced that there is a depth of terrible endurance in it, which none but the sufferers themselves can fathom, and which no man has a right to inflict upon his fellow creature. I hold this slow and daily tampering with the mysteries of the brain to be immeasurably worse than any torture of the body, because its wounds are not upon the surface, and it extorts few cries that human ears can hear. Therefore, I the more denounce it, as a secret punishment, which slumbering humanity is not roused up to stay. And honestly, before reading this book the first time, I did not realize that Dickens was an advocate for prison reform. He was of the opinion that those who have undergone this punishment must pass into society again morally unhealthy and diseased. This early critique of the penitentiary and its regimes of solitary confinement troubles the notions that imprisonment is the most suitable form of punishment for a democratic society. For me personally, when speaking of prison reform, I always distill it down to a for-profit system cannot be for the people. And with that, most people can agree. But so often, the conversation is stopped when asked, what do we do with criminals? In the book, Angela says, radical opposition to the global prison industrial complex sees the anti-prison movement as a vital means of expanding the terrain on which the quest for democracy will unfold. This movement is thus anti-racist, anti-capitalist, anti-sexist, and anti-homophobic. It calls for the abolition of the prison as the dominant mode of punishment, but at the same time recognizes the need for genuine solidarity with the millions of men, women, and children who are behind bars. A major challenge of this movement is to do the work that will create a more humane, habitable environment for people in prisons without bolstering the permanence of the prison system. But she asks, how do we accomplish this balancing act of passionately attending to the needs of prisoners, calling for less violent conditions, an end to state sexual assault, improved physical and mental health care, greater access to drug programs, better educational work opportunities, unionization of prison labor, more connections with families and community, shorter or alternative sentencing, and at the same time, call for alternatives to sentencing altogether, no more prison construction, and abolitionist strategies that question the place of the prison in our future. 
The beauty of reading scholars like this is there is always a chapter on the how. In chapter six of the book, Are Prisons Obsolete? Angela Davis starts with a quote from Arthur Waskow of the Institute for Policy Studies, who says, Forget about reform. It's time to talk about abolishing jails and prisons in American society. Still, abolition? Where do you put the prisoners? The quote-unquote criminals? What are the alternatives? First, having no alternative at all would create less crime than the present criminal training centers do. Second, the only full alternative is building the kind of society that does not need prisons. A decent redistribution of power and income so as to put out the hidden fire of burning envy that now flames up in crimes of property, both burglary by the poor and embezzlement by the affluent, and a decent sense of community that can support, reintegrate, and truly rehabilitate those who suddenly become filled with fury or despair, and can face them not as objects, criminals, but as people who have committed illegal acts, as almost all of us have. Angela starts this chapter by saying, If jails and prisons are to be abolished, then what will replace them? This is the puzzling question that often interrupts further consideration of the prospects for abolition. But she posits this question. Why should it be so difficult to imagine alternatives to our current system of incarceration? There are a number of reasons why we tend to balk at the idea that it may be possible to eventually create an entirely different, and perhaps more egalitarian, system of justice. First of all, we think of the current system, with its exaggerated dependence on imprisonment, as an unconventional standard, and thus have great difficulty envisioning any other way of dealing with the more than 2 million people who are currently being held in the country's jails, prisons, youth facilities, and immigration detention centers. Ironically, even the anti-death penalty campaigns tend to rely on the assumption that life imprisonment is the most rational alternative to capital punishment. Skipping ahead, she says, If, however, we shift our attention from the prison, perceived as an isolated institution, to the set of relationships that comprise the prison industrial complex, it may be easier to think about alternatives. In other words, a more complicated framework may yield more options if we simply attempt to discover a single substitute for the prison system. The first step, then, would be to let go of the desire to discover one single alternative system of punishment that would occupy the same footprint as the prison system. And though that does it for today, I will be linking some more resources and further reading in the show notes if you're interested, as always. In the meantime, I love you so much. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. And I'll talk to you tomorrow while you make your damn bed. Bye, beautiful. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.